Welcome to Ready Layer One, a crypto podcast that focuses on the near protocol ecosystem, what's going on, updates, NFTs, news, and how it connects with the rest of the crypto space. This is episode six. We start out with some thoughts on the near NFT marketplace and the multiple launch pads coming, mints cutting numbers, and the overall vibe of the NFT space in general. And finally, Joe updates us on his StockX NFT with Nike. It's a story he's been following and it's getting really interesting with some lawsuits. We hope you enjoy. Hey, Joe, how are you doing today? I'm good, Jared. How are you? Doing well. I was on the subway and I saw an ad for Avalanche, the crypto on a subway. And I I thought to myself at first, like, oh, that's cool. There's an ad on the subway. And then I thought, how irresponsible is that? You're just throwing Avalanche or any crypto platform on a subway and no context. And then some person goes to there with their phone. Next thing you know, they're getting scammed. I like the gusto, but man. Yeah. It's a dive in like that. It seems a little a little rough. <laughs> yeah, like let's teach people how to use this stuff because I've been in it for a while and I wouldn't want to just blindly go to one from an ad. No, 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 no. That's, a, that, that's not good advice. Yeah. <laughs> so, Joe, did you see anything go on with the this week in crypto that caught your eye? Yeah, I think one thing that's super interesting right now is so we're like in the second stage of like the NFT flood in near. So nfts kind of really took off obviously the past month right so the beginning of the calendar year end of december coming into january a lot of nft projects launched on near and now what's coming behind all of that is the kind of like onslaught of marketplaces i think we're going to you know right now the big one is uh paris and there is mint base but that really doesn't seem to be used as much projects aren't going there they're going all going to paris which I wonder, because um, Mintbase looks great. The U, the UX, UI of that. And I feel like, is it bigger than Paris? Because Paris feels like, I go like, because I've been deep in these NFTs with you. <laughs> I yeah. gotta stop. I'm just minting one of everything because I don't really quite know. Yeah, I'm not sure what's going on with that. Yeah, is Mintbase more of like a platform for people to launch Paris's? I don't know. I... You know, yeah, there seems to be a lot more of like, you know, uh, artists going on to mint base and coming in and building like almost like their own little like mini store, like, like, like an NFT store type of thing, you know, versus where Paris is more of your traditional marketplace where a project kind of comes on, you can search across the whole thing, you know, stuff like that. Mint base also, I think supports Ethereum maybe. Too, uh... So, yeah, and Paris isn't the greatest user experience, but I've like learned it. But uh, so you were saying there's a bunch coming down the pipeline, or what's the second phase? Yeah, so I mean, I think a lot of the NFT projects that then launched, like around in January, especially, uh, part of their roadmap was a marketplace, and so starting to see rumblings of more of them possibly coming out soon. Uh, some sneak peeks from some different ones, and I think what's super interesting here is that uh, it's going to kind of flood the space you know it's going it, where uh i don't think it's going to be like like an easy thing of saying like oh now this is the, the place to go to because now everyone's right now on paris but people are going to want to move over people whose roadmap their project was to do a marketplace they're going to move their stuff over you know and then it's how much do users know where to go how do you find different things so it's great. I love the competition. I think it's tremendous. I'm excited to see what some of these different groups do. Uh, there's some really ambitious plans around them. Just, I mean, as the end user, 
there's definitely some possible confusion coming on the pipeline here too. Yeah, you, that's a good point. And are there enough users on near to have like six launch pads or six marketplaces? <laughs> like, well, <laughs> that that's a great point. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if there is right now. I mean, look at look at the NFT landscape as a whole. We talked about it a little bit last week. It's starting to plateau a little bit, right? It's starting to level off. Um, a lot of people so, cutting their numbers. Yep. People cutting numbers. People who are regular buyers are kind of feeling like, eh, I'm not sure if this is really the right thing for me. I think there's a gold rush happening too. So all these projects that are coming out that don't really have real roadmaps that are very flimsy. They're just trying to launch something that, um, you know, trying to get some quick hype and excitement and they go to mint. And, you know, again, yeah, like you said, they're not selling out. Uh, they are struggling and then people are bailing afterwards. And I, and I wouldn't call them rugs even. They're just, this is not the enthusiasm for them. It does have that point of projects just doing it to get some near like we're going to drop 700 of these at five near each then they get 3500 near you know they get 35 grand they split it up and then the project doesn't go anywhere and then if i see another roadmap that has build discord um and then like a couple other like things that don't really mean anything and then roadmap 2.0 i just don't mint in those because come on yeah no it's that's a great point i mean that's in i'm seeing that that feeling a lot. I mean, I'm in way too many discords as it is right now. Same. And, and, but you can start to feel that, you know, most people have started to find a few homes near, just, we're just talking near related, right? So p- people are finding that there are a few homes that they're kind of regularly going into. And then maybe they go and they, you can see some of the same names pop in to other projects when a new one shows up, but then they come and go. You know, but what's sticking out to me is I'm seeing a lot of the same names all of the time. Yeah. And not all of these people are going to buy into all of these things. So when it's the same people going from project to project to project as the potential buyer, that's problematic because, you know, there is a limited supply of that. Not everybody is a whale. Not everyone is going to be able to go do all that stuff, you know, so it's. There's some red flags around that, but that's part of growth. Like that's part of the growth stage. I wonder if that you've got Paris and I think Paris is very integrated with the near ecosystem mm-hmm. that near is backing Paris and brands that are starting to get these grants. I'm seeing that some of these NFTs are getting grants from near, you know, Mr. Brown, uh, secret Scully society, mm-hmm. uh, near 10 though they've gotten grants. So I'll be interested to see if, stuff sort of gravitates towards that ecosystem. And then there's yep. going to be these like launchpad marketplaces all around, but they will be B team. Yeah. You know, the, the grant thing is really interesting because uh, I, I don't, I haven't seen like what these groups are actually putting in their application for the grant. And so I, I wonder like how further are they explaining their roadmap? What is it that Nier is saying, you know, some of them are obvious, like Skelly's is obvious to me because like they're they're so involved. They have a launch pad already. They've launched five, six projects already off of that. Super smooth. Yeah. You know, I minted a few off of that and every time goes smooth. So, so yeah. So so for me, like that one makes sense. Um, so it's just really, you know, Nierton makes sense because they're trying to collaborate with other NFTs. They're providing staking. So sure, you know, but like Mr. Brown, which I really love. Uh, I think it's a great project. 
for near to give a grant and to invest into that is really interesting to me because that's an art first project. And so it's curious of like what, what was presented to near to, you know, uh, to get to that. Um, and, and so that is the stuff that I think we're, we're going to just keep an eye on of, of what the direction of that stuff go, takes. When bringing up near 10, I think that this NFT craze on near is kind of aiming towards that. Cause I've seen a lot of hype in the space. Everybody's rallying around it. If it goes off well, and then their staking of NFTs makes sense and people really can sort of get value out of their NFTs. That's where I'm really trying to wrap my head around it because Paris is supposed to be doing it soon and they're doing yeah. some staking with Paris, which is really nice and giving a percentage of their actual profits to the people who stake Paris, yeah. which is pretty neat. Yeah, yeah. Do you have any idea how staking NFTs works? Is it just going to be like, okay, I've got a Neerton house. You know, I've got like 30 different projects I've minted. Yeah. Do, do I just bring them all to my near 10 house? And now it's sort of like a Paris platform, but I've got a house as an avatar. Yeah. It's, so, I mean, again, NFTs are just tokens, right? Like the thing you receive is a token, essentially. Yeah. So you can stake all those. Though both Paris and Neerton have a very, are going to have a specific list of what you can actually stake. So you can't just stake anything. So to I, I, it makes me wonder a little bit about like what is going to be the actual process and where what is the actual true return on something and is it scaled based off of you know rarity is it scaled off of other things so that those none of those questions I have seen really answered clearly anywhere uh, about that but it, it it's not a free for all right so like you can't just have a nearton house and put any nft on near in there and same thing with paris like you could have 30 nfts and none of them are part of the list that paris is going to support and then you got a luck yeah that's what i'm worried about like mr brown uh, it's art first project it's it's uh, it's a project that i just connect with you know it's the yeah. most visually pleasing to me it doesn't yeah. feel like a derivative. I mean, I looked through my Discord and made a folder of all the ape NFTs I have, and I have like seven ape NFTs. Yeah. Uh, and so I just put their Discord in one group. I'm like, they're your ape. Like, I you don't even like, I don't even can't even tell them apart. I mean, Near Knots seems right. to be taking the lead in a lot of ways because they're so active, and yeah. they drop those Astro Pups. They're doing some cool things. Yeah. That was cool. I dug that. But Mr. Brown, I'm like, part of me wants to buy like a hyper rare, like top ten NFT from him. Like, sure. But I don't know if it will make sense. Like is spending 500 near for a top 10 NFT or from Mr. Brown going to in the near 10 world be better than having 50 floor 10 near Mr. Brown's right? Like which one's right. better to hold? Yeah, I, that's a great question. I don't know the answer to that. I think it's also, you know, because if you take staking out of it, right. The reasoning for getting a top 10 would either be because you really liked the art and you wanted to make sure that you owned it, or you have plans to at some point flip it. Doesn't have to be a soon, a recent flip, but at some point you're going to say, "I'm going to sell this." So if I have something that is more rare, I'm going to more likely get a higher return down the road. That's kind of where that that lands. The flipping NFT game has—I have no interest in that. I'd rather hold an NFT to be part of the community that it's building in the project that has interest to me. Yep. Buying an yep. NFT, flipping it for like double what I got it for. Like I'd rather just hold near and stake it, you know? 
Well, sure. So, and again, it depends on, on the level that you're doing stuff, right? You know, if you're doing little one-offs, so if you're going, you're, if you're buying at five and selling at 10 or 20, you know, sure. Like if that's where you're at and that's the kind of game that you want to play, sure. You can certainly do that. Um, but yes, probably you're better off taking that and staking it in a, you know, one of these things like the Paris staking or, you know, uh, Aurora and, and getting a, a good return on it long term. But it's not as fun. You know, I mean, everyone. Yeah, but it's, it's a little bit more, even more fun to do the, se- the selling. Sure. I get that. Yeah. And I'm, I'm keeping my eye on it. I'm really into it. Like from our very first podcast to now, I've really sort of caught on to what an nft is starting as the seed of it mm-hmm. and where i hope it goes in 10 years from now sure sure it's cool to be part of it it feels like i'm early stage to something and whether yeah. i don't know what it's going to evolve to yeah but i do envision a huge crash in nfts at some point it's gonna i mean yeah and and maybe you don't even classify it as a crash per se right but it's like you're going to just start to see that the stronger projects are going to just win out. Yeah. Cause it adds up. Yeah. And, and, and it's, and, and to me, it's, I mean, I think you can use examples on other chains around saying, well, I mean, look at the things that have survived and done really well on Ethereum. You know, those have really been based around the community, um, especially the ones that are early on that have no utility to them. Right. Like CryptoPunks has no utility, um, but they resell for huge numbers. And that was that's purely a community thing. Right. And it has a great story behind it because it's like the first thing, you know, and they were given away for free. Right. So great story. And that's what that's been. But otherwise, like as once you get past that kind of like OG type of stuff, it becomes about some of the utility. But if everyone's utility is the same, then how am I going to pick anything? And so then everything kind of get washes each other out too. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I think after near 10, I'll reevaluate a whole lot of stuff. And hopefully some of these gamification tokenomic stuff starts to realize. And I'm like, Oh, okay, cool. So here's where the arbitrage is, or here's the best way to approach it. Or if you have 50 Mr. Browns, that's how you, that's how you do it. <laughs> like you put in 50, you, you yeah. get a percentage of the collective. And cause um, an NFT, because it's a token, there's nothing just because I have like an NFT, say Mr. Brown, you get a rare one, like a top 10. Yep. That token is no different than the last one in the series, right? There's just a tokens, a tokens, a token, right? There's nothing special to the token. So if you're staking the token. Yeah, right. It's, just, be, it's just the metadata attached to it. Yeah, right? it'd, it'd be like if near protocol, every single of the 1 billion nears that come out had a little graphic on them. That's all. The, the only thing I could think of, though, is that if, if they're going to wait like payouts or something like that, you know, because the value of the token that you're putting in is different. I, I don't know what exactly that's going to look like. But what's again, what this all kind of circles back to just in general is like the staking as a whole, that when the more you start to dig deep into that, it, there's so many opportunities beyond just the NFTs. And so make if you're serious about investing and in, in putting your money someplace to have to evaluate what's actually out there for staking along with the NFTs, it's an interesting proposition. Absolutely. And you, what project is going to do the staking of NFTs and borrowing against it? Uh, the cool dogs. 
cool dog the cool dogs right yeah. so that one yeah. i'm eyeing I'll, I'll 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 mint that if i can yeah um but that that's going to be good because in a second here we're going to talk about the uh, 101 of staking on near and i think there's some examples in there but the nft one is a bit more elaborate i mean so do you maybe want to like jump into the uh staking portion and then we can tie it back together with the nft because like basically cool the cool dog sounds like they're doing oin finance but with nfts it's kind of what they're doing they're not issuing a stable coin but you can still borrow against it right instead of issuing a stable coin you're just using your, your nft as as the as the leverage i guess all right joe this is my staking 101 yeah. on your protocol for the over a year. I've been figuring this stuff out. Here's where I've landed. All right. And earlier I said, it's like, I feel like I'm in beautiful mind. And you reminded me that's like a 20 year old movie. So. <laughs> Staking 101 on the near protocol ecosystem. So the first thing is you, you get your near protocol. What are you going to do with it? Are you going to stake? There's so many different options. The basic option is you get your wallet, you find a validator and you stake with a validator. Yeah, that's when you come up with your first set of like percentages and numbers and where do you go? What do you do? So some validators, it's 1%. Some validators, it's 99% uh, of a fee that they charge for you to stake with them, right? Because this is a proof of stake, you know, alt layer one. Um, So how do you decide between those, right? Like, what is your approach? Yeah, that's a great question. So, well, I think clarify first, fee is not taking away your money because the money that you put in is is safe right so like the fees are coming out of your rewards correct um so good clarification um, yeah the uh so my approach is i guess when i first started it was definitely much more conservative uh i kind of would take you know a portion of what i had of my near tokens and i would put it in just a traditional type of basic staking i think it was i don't remember what the percentage was just uh Astro staking, you know, um, and that was, you know, great. Got a small reward back. That was fine. Astro stakers. And, that's what I started with because when yeah. I first did this back in November of like 2020, yeah. they were, they had a 1% fee and I was like going with them. <laughs> I yeah, was like, that's exactly right. Um, right? Yeah. To give them a shout out, something had happened and they had a Twitter and they communicated with it. Like they were the only valid, like a couple of these validators are going out of their way to do some pretty cool utility, which I think is great. Yep. They were one of the first. I was like, oh, there are people on uh, Twitter I can like contact. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, that was like kind of like the initial safe bet. But as things have started to gone, as I've gotten further into the protocol and I've, you know, maintained a larger stake as well for myself and put more money into it, I, you know, I started to kind of try and diversify a little bit, you know. So, like, my first big thing, I guess, where I changed some stuff was using Paris. That's taking, you know. And that's a really interesting one because that's an enormous return. Yeah, it's been wild for three or four weeks, man. It's been great. Yeah, you know, and then I think going forward from there, it's like, yeah, I, I have a little bit um, in Aurora, you know, and just uh, it's a it's an experiment, I guess, I, you know, I feel like right now where it's playing with house money to some degree. You know, I don't need my near, so uh, I'm, I'm able to to lock it up like that. And if I can get something back for it, great. Exactly. And this Aurora one, uh, you mentioned that because, yeah, I've I jumped onto that. So a little while ago, Nier introduced uh, delegators that can earn rewards in more than one token. Right. So uh, the Aurora validator can pay out staking in Aurora tokens. Yep. 
So they take the near and they give you the Aurora. And right now, just the the math on that has been pretty great. I think they're giving out 13,700 a day. You just divide that into the amount of money that's in there and you multiply by the amount of coins. It's pretty great. Uh, so that's the one that I've been doing currently. And But you got to keep an eye on that because if the numbers, if more people get into it, the, mo- the percentage might not make sense. Right, right, right. So it's a bit more active than saying just the, how Astro Stakers for like a year, just like set it and forget it, you know, Yeah. because yeah. it's really nice. You know, it's a way better than any bank account that you'll have. Absolutely. So that's that's the first step is this uh, just taking an validator. Then there's this like next level. And this is an area that, I think should catch on more because I, I think fundamentally and philosophically, I like it. And that's the uh, meta pool mm-hmm. that works really close with near. And so what meta pool is, and this is from like a non-technical person, but just someone who's used it. So meta pool, you take your near, you stake it with them. Mm-hmm. Then they give you a stake near coin that can still be used. So they stake it. You get a percentage. Like I think it's 11%. It's just of, of rewards. It's just yep. under what you would get from like Astro stakers. Yep. But then they actually validate with, everyone under the top 10 validators. So it spreads out the decentralization, yeah, which is cool. And then you have that staked near token to do other things with, right? So now we're starting to get into this inception-like levels of staking, right? So you go, you're getting your percentage and it was kind of confusing at first, but the staked near increases with price with every, every reward, right? So like it goes up the percentage. Yeah. I don't even know how to describe it. Do you know how to even like describe it? Like I had to reach out to them mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and to their credit, they reached out to me and explained it to me. I was like, okay, cool. Like, I still don't get it, but I do now. Yep. So then you have your staked near. What do you do with that? Now you have a new token. So now you're getting the rewards, but now you, instead of being, you know, confined to your validator, you now have another token you can do stuff with. And they're starting to expand now. So yep. they just recently, so the couple areas that I've seen is with your, with your stake near, and for some reason, when I see it in my head, I call it Saint Near, but whenever it's Stake Near, <laughs> right. they, uh, you can do like Ref Finance, Tri Solaris. They just recently announced a Tri Solaris. So you can do liquidity pools and then OIN Finance, which we'll get to in a second. But let's talk liquidity pools real fast. Yep. I'm not good at them because they, uh, man, I don't get them. Like you, you, you do 50 50, you throw it in liquidity pool, but if you get price swings and stuff, you got to deal with what is it, impermanent loss? Like, yeah the high staking percentage that you get back in rewards. I don't know if it really balances out. What do you think about? Yeah. I mean, that's one where uh, you definitely have to be active in it because you have to watch the swings. Uh, and, it, and it is not something that it is, you know, you, you have, you have to be able to, to weather spring. So you can't just throw a little bit of money in. you have to do it in much larger chunks. Um, so there is definitely, there is definitely a high reward that you can get from that. But what I like about Metapool, though, is that you do have options at, like the liquidity pool out of staking with them. So, you know, the fact that your your funds are not totally locked up, right? So, you, you know, you, there, you essentially have money available to you or tokens available to you with that, you know, stake near token immediately pretty much and so that that really changes what you can start to do and earn rewards as long as you are uh careful and conservative about what you're doing you can't like just you know go wild with all the, all your different tokens eventually you're gonna put yourself in a position where you know maybe you're underwater to some degree but 
uh, it really opens up a lot of doors. It does. And do you see where I was talking about? This gets very complicated. And I think this is for like not the faint of heart. When you start getting into crypto at this level, this is like you got to know how to keep your wallet secure. You got to understand how this market works. Like Mm -hmm. these swings, like near at Christmas time was 20 bucks. Now it's 10. Like that's a 50%. Like the people who are in liquidity pools and going leverage and, you know, borrowing against it. Oof. Yeah. I'm sure some people felt some major pain because these things can swing 50% yeah. in yeah. a matter of a few days. Oh, yeah, definitely. Part of me just loves the idea of like validator. Just boop, there you go. <laughs> like, you know, but then the other part of me loves the game. But yeah. I, I look at it like a game and I think, you know, it's not a, a for sure by any means. Um, and, you know, and then interesting on the refinance, you can do you can actually stake, you know, staked near with wrapped near. And you get an extra percentage on that. So you get your percentage accruing with your stakes near at the 11%. And then you get the percentage, which I don't know, it's like about 10 or 12% addition. And that's where this uh, meta pool to me is interesting. I don't know how impermanent loss works with that because there is a slight difference in pay with each of those. Like just such a fraction. I don't know if it's even, it matters at all, but that's a pretty good way to, the safe way to sort of do it, I think. Because, you know, I looked at some of these things. You can do like staked near with wrap near, you get 14%. On top of your 11%, but you get it in ref finance tokens. I mean, that's the tricky thing with, with all of this. And I, I like that point, though, of highlighting, though, you know, a lot of times you're going to get back maybe the secondary token. And that token uh, is going to have different values as well. That value is going to swing just like any other crypto. And so. It, that's really important as well to pay attention to of what are you getting back and how long are you going to hold what you get back? You know, the day you get it is probably it's worth equal weight, but you know, over time that changes and maybe it changes for the better or it could change for the worse. Uh, and that is where some of the challenge kind of comes into play of, of, of how do you make those decisions? And that's why you have to be active if you're going to go down some of these different routes. Yeah, that's a great point. And being active because you got to be able to get out and you got to make sure there's liquidity to get out. I mean, it's, this is this is deep staking yeah. stuff. Like I think for a majority of people, like anybody I know who I would just say, hey, if you buy some near stake it with like Astro Stakers or some validator yeah, sure. that you like, because there's other ones that have like a yeah. one to two percent. I'd stick with that and just yeah. look at it in a year. Most likely you'll be really happy. Yeah. You know, maybe buy an NFT or two because it's super fun yeah. to buy them. You know, it's it's pretty exciting to mint an NFT. Yeah. And then uh, Trisolaris, I went and looked on there. It's like, God, that's such a beautiful site. I mean, Aurora, the more I look into it, the more I'm like, this is slick. Like the Trisolaris, they've, they've got quite a high number. I think they're at 300 million total volume liquidity. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty high. You know, this is not financial advice. 100 percent not financial advice do your own research i'll make sure to put the disclaimer on this one the third area that you can take state uh staked near to is oin finance is that own finance how do you pronounce that do you how would you do it i have no i'm the wrong person for that one i'm not sure i feel like this is a moment i want to take about the branding within near protocol okay solana all these like top cryptos really put a lot of money into branding they've got like fun pop names i mean near's got this like they just rebranded a while back and it looks pretty cool you know but like ref finance like that is like the least cool sounding name you know what i mean the uh 
OIN finance, like, like, I think that might be the big meta pool. Like, these are all like abstract. It should be called like, you know, like, I don't know, waterfall or like, <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. You know, they do have an octopus network, so that's fine. There's one. Um, <laughs> but for the most part, I find their branding to be boring. <laughs> <laughs> so OI and finance. So that this is interesting and I've dabbled in it, but it's not quite big enough. It's a decentralized multi-chain stablecoin issuance protocol. This is interesting to me. So you can take your stake near, you take it over there and then um, you deposit it into your vault, which is kind of like the dashboard and you deposit okay. it in and then you can borrow collateral against it. And then that collateral you get in an USDO token. This is where we're getting so inception. It's like it's so layered. Now we've taken our near, made a stake near, now pulled yeah. out a NUSDO. It's very confusing. But then now you have that and you can do whatever you want with it, right? Right. But if you're going to do that, you got to be really clever with like C ratios and liquidity price, right? Like we saw that 50% drawdown. I'm sure a lot of people got hit with liquidation on that. Absolutely. Um, and you've got to pay. It's a 110% fee when you get liquidated. It's not pretty. And then that goes to people in the staking pool. But what you can do with that is you take your stake near and then you get your USDO and then you can actually stake that in the liquidity pool for another 10 or 15%. So you can actually start playing around and yeah. double dipping. And I'm going to make some sort of one sheeter to show like just how like a flow chart because I think it's essential for people. Yeah, yeah. Then you could even go one step further. You can take the NUSDO, go back on ref finance and then buy more near stake near. You could get like super... <laughs> <laughs> yeah no you can get real circular yeah but i don't know does this get bigger on this is this what other like does this what is needed to grow in order for like the network to grow or is this sort of like really abstract staking stuff both i guess the answer is kind of both right like like some of it some of it is contributing to that you know i mean and, and the, the tricky thing is here too is so like like oin or however you want to pronounce that i mean while it is near focused and all of the different things are going around, you know, what's happening on, on near, it's actually built on Ethereum. And so it's really about leveraging this, the tools that were built like Aurora, like the Rainbow Bridge to do some of this stuff. And so that's where I got all those secondary tokens in the background of like, here, we're going to re you're going to stake this, but then we're going to reissue you this other token. It's because they need to abstract some of those layers away from it. Yeah. Um, and that's where, I mean, in, you know, it, it's going to be, it's going to be seen what happens as all of these things grow because the numbers that you're getting on these returns right now are really, I mean, they're completely unheard of in traditional finance, right? Like they're just, they do not exist. No. So at what point are we, you know, I guess playing with fire in the sense that like, can this go on forever? Is this something that it's just about first mover advantage? And so we are early and they need people who are contributing to the network and truly part of the network. And so that builds up. I mean, I, those are the type of things that we really need to kind of figure out. I agree. And it makes me wonder what these platforms are going to evolve into, right? We've got staking. Now there's these like, sort of you know DeFi stuff what's sort of the thing that's going to get users to use this what gets near to 100 million users is it nfts is it a variation do nfts start to evolve now because I, I can see nfts starting to evolve into sort of projects and companies and different like right now that seems to be like launch pads and art and stuff like that but they can start to evolve you know I, yeah i don't think anybody really knows the true answer right now but 
th- those are the things that I'm keeping my eye on, you know, like who is the first real company to come out of an NFT drop, you know, and like, and say like, you know, we skipped all types of forms of financing and we truly, you know, got our, our company off the ground through an NFT drop. And we are now a sustainable business with employees and we do all those different things. And, you know, and how many companies start building on where they are only accepting, you know, in transaction through, through crypto, you know, can you get to that point? Can you get to the point where you are, you know, I guess fiat neutral or agnostic or whatever the term would be where you are truly just on that. And, and that becomes again, something that is maybe really interesting where people can buy into you and, you know, uh, you can borrow money at very different rates. And that's what these liquidity pools are for, you know, so that if you need to borrow money um, right now, a lot of the borrowing of, of, you know, crypto funds is to invest into other crypto funds. It's like, you know, it is really just about like return on top of returns, but does that really become business models? And can you really run a business like that? That's what I'm curious. That's where I think we, you start to see some solid long-term growth. I'm with you on that. I mean, as NFTs, I mean, metaverse, I still think we're a bit away from that. I mean, there's some stuff starting, but it's really early days. But Very early. I'm curious if in five years, you know, at my people meet at metaverses to take meetings and stuff like that. I don't know. Like I went to a, a metaverse party. It was fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's got some ways to go. Yeah, no, I think that I mean that definitely has a ways to go before that's really mainstream. Like you're seeing some of that pop up now and then, right? Mm-hmm. And that's like that's like like the really like one percent of one percent of like super techie kind of people, right? Like that's that's really far away, you know. To me, I'm just and I may be wrong, but I I'm, I'm a real believer in that. The way crypto starts to grow is as you start to blend the you know I guess quote unquote real world into the crypto space yep you know where that stuff becomes all together and all wrapped up that becomes very interesting and then the communities that kind of come out of it too you know that's going to be where things are very different because these are all truly global communities so if i have people investing in my company because they bought you know seven thousand nfts uh but they're from all walks of life of all parts of the globe a very interesting, you know, set of investors into my company now that I never would have had in any other scenario. And what does that mean for my company? So, Joe, the, we talked about the uh, the cool dogs. Yeah. So they're going to be doing a sort of NFT version of OIN finance, or maybe not exactly, but where you can stake NFTs and borrow against them and there's liquidity and stuff like that. Yeah, it's essentially like you're taking a loan against the value of your NFT. So, you know... Like the specific details haven't been released yet, but the idea is that, yeah, you take you you lock up your NFT uh, and then you can borrow against it. Oh, man, I don't even know how someone would be able to navigate the swings on NFTs, like the floor prices. I feel like an NFT can go from like 200 near to 50 near. And if you get liquidated. Yeah, there's got to have to be something because right, because then you were about like market manipulation and things like that. And so, yeah. Yeah, man, but I'm excited that people are building these things and I'm going to try to mint one and I'm going to play around in it, but I'm going to be highly cautious. Well, the benefit of minting 
one of those to be part of that is to get the returns on people lending, right? Like, so like that's what you're trying to get back in. Yeah. Which, I don't know if I'd ever use it, the platform to borrow against, but you know, an opportunity maybe to make some passive income off of it. If they do if that, that, that platform does catch on is worthwhile. The way that it really works in a smart way is I guess is like you need liquidity to make another investment type of thing, you know, to just straight spend doesn't seem like a smart, smart plan. No, no, not at all. Um, so Joe, that's kind of our, uh, staking as of now. Yeah. So hopefully this helps some people kind of at least hear what you can do and then make their own choice. I think it will. Absolutely. I mean, absolutely. It's a great, it's a great primer. It's going to continue to grow and change. Uh, this is, you know, again, very early for all this stuff. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm still proud of my beautiful mind reference. It's, <laughs> it just yeah. feels so dated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> perfect um all right man so how do we want to wrap this up man you got a uh, an update right yeah i got a, I got a follow-up so we've talked a couple times about uh some nfts in the real world we talked about the StockX um, nfts with the uh, sneakers and what's super so again that really quick so StockX is doing an nft they tie to a real actual pair of sneakers um they are stored for you in a vault so the value of that NFT is actually tied to the actual market value of a true pair of sneakers. It is not some just, you know, speculative JPEG or whatever else. So it's a very interesting concept. Uh, and you can, I found out, you can actually redeem your NFT and get the pair of shoes. So there is a lot of value in that type of holding. What's come up, though, is Nike has fi- filed a lawsuit um, saying that they can't do that because it's against their trademark and it's trademark infringement. Uh, the reality of this story is that it sounds like that uh, Nike wants to do their own NFTs, you know, so that's, I think, a piece of it. But the big question here is like of, you know, who owns what and what is really happening? Because if the, if the NFT was truly just an image and you, it was not tied back to a physical product, I think like the case is a slam dunk for Nike. Like, yeah, absolutely. That, that's trademark infringement. You know, Nike sneakers are theirs. Like you can't just market an NFT and profit off of that, off of their brand. But because it's actually tied to a pair of sneakers that exist that you can redeem for, it's very interesting of like where that falls into here. And this is again where everyone's trying to get into this space. And this is definitely something where I, I think because Nike probably wants to do this. They probably saw this and think this is a great idea and they want to put their own stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that shakes out. But the, I guess, positive signal for me about all of this is that it had, it is a good enough concept and has enough, I guess, I guess juice behind it that Nike felt like they had to file a lawsuit. So, you know, I, I hope the lawsuit gets straightened out and, and it gets a way that actually is good for the long term. But, uh, yeah, it's, I thought that was really interesting to kind of come up. Yeah. And it adds on to how NFTs are starting to be used in business. And this is just another example. And they're going to start pushing limits and there's going to be lawsuits and it'll all get ironed out over the years. And I'm excited for it. So, Joe. Yeah. 
I know staking can't always be the most exciting stuff, but I think it's important stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Along with security and being very aware of how this space works, because when I saw an ad on a subway with no context, I was like, I feel like people need to learn about this stuff before they're clicking on it from an ad on a subway. Yes, absolutely. Please do. Please do. Please do your research. Absolutely. But I was stoked to see an ad on the subway. Yeah. I was like, oh, whoa, there's a crypto ad on my subway next to insurance and, you know, going to an online school. All right, cool. Right. (laughs) All right, Joe, man. Great talking to you this week. Yeah. Good talking to you. We'll see you. Ready Layer One is provided for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only without any express or implied warranty of any kind, including warranties of accuracy, completeness, or fitness for any particular purpose or otherwise based on any of the information presented in this podcast without undertaking independent due diligence and consultant 